Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, open up your Bibles tonight, if you would, to the, uh, the 16th chapter of Mark. We're going to give this another run. We have been trying to get through uh, just a few verses here, and I think this is uh, maybe our fourth week. Uh, I'd, I'd intended just one week, and we just hadn't, uh, you know, we just kind of get into it a little bit and kind of get stopped. And so tonight, we are talking again about uh, just about this Mark 16th chapter about believing and embracing. Believe and embrace. And we're talking about the Word of God. How important it is that we believe the Word of God and embrace the Word of God? You know, uh, it's not enough, as Royce said a moment ago, it's not enough just to believe. I can remember the first day that Royce walked into church. You know, he, he uh, man, he did not look like, of course, you still don't look like church people. <laughs> but I remember uh, the, first, the first day that he walked into church, he, he just sat there and looked like, oh, my goodness. But he came he came to give his heart and his life to Jesus because things just weren't working. And he wasn't even sure. But, you know, somebody invited him. And so he came. And he's been coming back ever since. And I, I, I look around and I'm still amazed. But he is still just coming back and coming back. That's been near three weeks. No. that's a, <laughs> How many years? 25 years. Yeah. My goodness. And he just kept coming back. He kept asking questions. What do I do next? What do I do next? What do I do about this? What do I do about this? You know, you know uh, and he just kept on applying the word of God and applying the word of God. You know, and when he'd trip and fall down, he'd get up, brush himself back off, say, okay, what do I do about that? And uh, just been very faithful, Royce. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, but uh, I want to let you know there might, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll absolve you if you're Catholic, you're okay, of lying, saying you don't have any money. None of us believe that. Okay. We see all your stuff all over town. Dressing down won't cut it. Okay. It's a, uh, but uh, the Lord has truly blessed him, but somebody encouraged him to start making the Lord a, a priority in his marriage in his family, in his business. Well, he didn't have a business, uh, but uh, he, he, he started one. And, uh, you know, let me just encourage you to listen to the heart of a man that just, uh, and just like, uh, just like you, that someone encouraged him to do something and, uh, it, it worked just like me. You know, someone encouraged me at one point to change what I was doing. I can remember I was, you know, uh, I was a Christian. I was born again, and my wife and I weren't really uh, that tight. You know, we didn't, uh, you know, we, we really did need some help. And I can remember a man, I remember his name. His name was Jim Boswell. And Jim Boswell looked at me one day, and he said, Have you ever thought about praying with her? Well, I've been praying for her a lot, you know. <laughs> but he said, Have you ever thought about praying with her? And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. Now, I know you're going to think it's silly, but I'd been pastoring a church for about maybe nine months by that time. And it had not occurred to me that I could actually 
pray with her sincerely and openly about the things that we were struggling with. And when I began to do that, things began to change. Attitudes began to change. Uh, you know, uh, uh, desires began to change. You know, and, and we got on the same page. We could get on the same prayer page because we weren't out just trying to champion our own desires or our own designs. We weren't each other's enemy, but it seemed like that sometimes because I'd pray, she'd pray, and when we talked about it, you know, it, it, it seemed like she was championing one aspect or one uh, remedy, and I was championing another remedy. But in prayer, you can actually zero in on the problem. And when you zero in on the problem and give it to God, a, a, a world of remedies begin to open up. You begin to see all the possibilities that God can, can do. And, and uh, from that time to this, I have, I have done my best when I'm having difficulties, even with other people. I've asked, my, you know, uh, uh, asked, asked it of myself, uh, well, uh, let me just find a time to pray with them instead of just praying for them and pray with them. Little things like that make a big difference. So be an encourager to others. Thank you so much, Royce, for encouraging us. Someone encouraged you. Encouraged you to come to church. Encouraged you to participate with God. Encouraged you to trust God with your family and with your finances. Let me just pass on that trust. and Trust God and, and encourage you to do the same. And uh, encourage others as well. Believe and embrace. Part four. In the name. That's what we're talking about tonight. In the name. I love the name of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that the, 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 the name of the Lord is a strong and a mighty tower. And the righteous run into the name and they are safe. You know, you can run into that name. Isn't that amazing? That the name of the Lord, if you can picture this, uh, imagine yourself being out in a wilderness, out in a desert. If you can imagine yourself being out in the world. If you can imagine yourself being out in a workplace or at school or, 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 or some other place where it seems like life is pressing in on you or maybe you're at home and maybe you know bills might, might pile up or, or or maybe just the worries or the frustrations the you know the traumas the tragedies or just 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 the daily press of 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 you know of pressure of life and stress might be piling up imagine yourself in a situation where there was a, a place where you could go in a room you know uh, in in my mind it it it, it kind of looks like a teepee i don't know how i i just now realized that but that's the way I, I see it in my mind it's kind of like you know this insulated great big teepee you know out in a wilderness in a desert it's the name of the lord for me i just imagine i can run into it and when i get into it it's like you know um, uh, you know home base you know safe you know uh, the righteous run into the name of the lord and they are safe uh, there have been times in my life and, and seasons when the only thing I could do was just try to hide myself from situations, from feelings or frustrations or from things that I felt like were just going to overwhelm me. And uh, when, when there's something you can get into. And that's, that's what the name of the Lord is. The name of the Lord is a strong and a mighty tower. The Bible says the righteous run into it and they are safe. They are saved. Well, so far in, uh, in our last three weeks, and this being the fourth week, we've only covered verses 15, 16, and the first part of verse 17. I was trying to hope I could get through verse 17 tonight. Uh, I, I don't know that we will, but uh, for context and continuity's sake, I'll try not to go back over what we talked about uh, too much. But let's begin reading in Mark 16, verse 15, uh, and, and we'll uh, try, to, try to pick up and... Uh, 
take off here with a little more thought tonight. Again, this is Jesus um, ready to ascend into heaven. He's passing the baton, as it were, to his disciples and to those followers of his. And, uh, you know, if, if you've ever imagined what the Bible really represents, you can, you can see the critical nature of this moment. The Bible is divided, uh, as, 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 as you all know, into two major portions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament gives us a picture, a story, an account, if you will, a historical account. It is the Word of God. It is anointed. We believe it to be the, the absolute Word of Almighty God with power. And what God did in this Old Testament, He gave us 4,000 years of history. 4,000 years of God creating Adam and Eve in a garden, giving them, putting them in a garden, sin coming, and then what God did for 4,000 years, generation after generation after generation, choosing people to, to uh, exemplify. Of course, he moved through many more people than, than we have record of. You know, many, many, many things happened that we, I mean, the, the Bible does not tell the whole story, but it gives us a history of how God moved from Adam all the way to Joseph and Mary and how God brought Jesus, his son, the Messiah, to a lost and a hurting world. 4,000 years of what God did to bring a Savior to a lost world. Wow. That's a lot of time, isn't it? Amen. Tells us about Abraham and about Isaac and Jacob. Tells us what happened with Noah. It tells us what happened with, you know, um, Isaiah and Elijah and, and the kings, David and Solomon and on and on. And then the prophets. 4,000 years, the Old Testament. But when we get to the New Testament, from the time that Jesus chose his first disciples, about the year A.D. 27, until the time that Jesus, dead, buried, resurrected, then the disciples and their lives, from the time that the New Testament period began until the time that most of the Bible was written and all the disciples were already dead. With the exception of John. John lived to be near 100, okay? But the New Testament, unlike the Old Testament, the Old Testament's 4,000 years. The New Testament only covers a period of about 40 years. 40 years. One generation. Let me just ask, how many of you are, 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 are over 40? Let's see. Okay. You've lived longer than the New Testament, than all the stories in the New Testament, with the exception of John, the book of Revelation. Okay. You've already lived longer than it took for all these things in the New Testament to happen. Mr. Perry, you've lived two and a half times longer than this. 
Don't have to point that out, huh? Okay. Now, realizing that Jesus only gave us the New Testament, it, it is the Word of God, but He only gave us a picture of 40 years. One generation. These disciples in that 40 years, they took the gospel of Jesus Christ. They took it from Jerusalem to the streets, to Judea, Samaria. They took it to, uh, you know, up, to, up to Caesarea. They took it, you know, to uh, Antioch. They took it into what is now uh, Turkey. They took it to Cappadocia and Bithynia and Galatia. They took it to Philippi. They went to Corinth. They took the gospel of Jesus Christ to Syria. They took the gospel of Jesus Christ to India. They took the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to uh, 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 Ephesus. They took the gospel of Jesus Christ to Colossae. They took it to Thessalonica. They took it to Rome. You know, in only 40 years, this very small group of people that when the New Testament period begins with the book of Acts, this small group of people, there were only 120, and they were a home group. They were meeting in an upper room in one house. That was a borrowed room they were meeting in, 120 people locked up for fear in an upper room. And the whole New Testament is a written testimony to what these 120 people did, what this one home group did in only 40 years. They took the gospel of Jesus Christ to their whole known world and not one of these boys even owned a bicycle. That blows my mind. Not theologically, because I do understand theologically the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the open doors and the opportunities and the prepared hearts and, and how people who hear the gospel and how the fields were, were ripe for harvest and they are, are, are just as ripe today, if not more ripe. I do understand why everywhere they went, you know, people were getting born again and churches were being birthed and, and people were being discipled. I do understand all of that spiritually, but on a practical level, on a logistical level, as I read through here, and find out that these boys walked and took ships and just, just went everywhere in their world commissioned by Jesus Christ in this very commissioning. What he's about to tell them is something that we see in the New Testament that they accomplished in their generation. Why in the world did, 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 did the, the Bible stop when that one generation was over. I believe it's because God has given us an example of what is, is, is the responsibility of every generation. He only gave us one generation's experience with having been born again and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He only gave us one example. People say, well, you know, the Bible's old. I mean, shouldn't we get a new one? You know, well, no, uh, why doesn't God have to write anything new? It's because he, he said it right the first time. And everything that he told them to do is exactly what he wants us to do in every generation. The church has to be birthed in every generation. God has no grandchildren. God only has children. And he's expecting us. He's expecting you in your generation to do the very same thing that the church did in the first generation.
in that first 40 years, A.D. 27, as I said, when Jesus began to call his first disciples about that year until about A.D. 67, uh, when, when the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter were already dead and gone and off the scene and they'd already written and the apostle Paul had already written, you know, the epistles and, you know, uh, Corinthians and Romans and, you know, uh, and, and the book of Hebrew, Hebrews had been penned and, uh, you know, uh, and, and Timothy and, and, and Thessalonians and, you know, Philippians and Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians and, you know, uh, all these things had already, I mean, the their testimony in that small moment, all because of the commission that Jesus is about to give these few boys on a hill called the Mount of Olives just before he is taken to be seated at the right hand of the Father and to pray and to make intercession for us until the Father says, go and bring our family back home. So here... Jesus said this to them. He, he said, Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And if you missed the last few weeks, you can, you know, catch it up on the podcast or online or somewhere and, uh, or go to ezzsermons.com and download the notes. And, and tonight you may want to because I have over a hundred verses tonight uh, that, that I've given as proof text for what we're going to talk about. We're not going to read all of them tonight, uh, but uh, I, I, I did today. And uh, you may want to download those notes or just look at them. But he said, go. And as you go into all the world, as you're going, proclaim the good news to everyone regardless of what, you know, what nation they're from, what race, what color, what ethnos, what language, what economic level or strata they may be in, what age or stage of life, proclaim that good news. And he that believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, we got this far last week, and these signs shall follow those who believe. Uh, three things that we've learned basically uh, out of the last uh, previous three weeks. Number one is that our lives are meant to be an expression of the gospel on God's terms. You know, that's why we're going and proclaiming the gospel. Our lives are meant by God in every generation. Your life is designed by God and meant by God. It's God's hope that you will be an expression of the gospel, the good news on his terms. Not, uh, as you heard a little earlier, you know, uh, people can believe and not be saved. Listen, you have to be saved on God's terms, not on yours. And God is hoping that our life would be an expression of God offering pardon and of God offering eternal life on his terms. And he does. He offers everyone good news. Everyone can be pardoned of sin and everyone can receive eternal life. But it's got to be on God's terms. What does that mean? That means, you know, we need to recognize that we need a Savior. We need to repent of our sins and we need to receive Christ into our life. More than just knowing about him, we need to know him. A second thing that we have learned is by faith we make an eternal commitment to God while water baptism in a pub, is, is a public profession of our trust in him. You know, we are not water baptized to be saved. We are water baptized because we have been saved. 
but it is very important. Jesus was not water baptized to become the Son of God. He was water baptized because he was the Son of God. But it is important that uh, these two elements should be present in the believer's life. If we're going to uh, live a full expression of our Christian faith, number one, we have to have faith toward God. But faith is what we offer toward God. We believe toward God. And then it's also important that our public profession of our faith, that, that others in our world, in our life, know that we belong to Christ, that we have made a commitment. In the United States, we don't see this as important to the Christian faith as we see it in many other countries. Thirty-two of you are about to travel with me again this year to India. Here in another uh, three months or less, less than three months now, I think. We're going to be traveling to India again. again. Now, in India, there are 330 million gods and goddesses. And, and what happens to you whenever you accept Jesus as, as Lord and Savior? Nothing. No big deal. Because, you know, it's just like another god. It's like a rabbit's foot hanging around your neck, you know. So you got a cross. Okay, good deal. Just put it on there with all the other 330 million gods and goddesses. But what happens whenever you get water baptized and you make a public profession that I am uh, renouncing every other God and I'm being water baptized into Christ. And I'm choosing to publicly identify with Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in the newness of life. That is the point to where not only in the Indian culture, but many other cultures, customs and other religions, that is the point where you have just become a Christian. You have just become a believer and a follower of Christ publicly. I cannot minimize the impact in your life whenever you live your faith in your community. Living your faith in church is one thing. Living your faith in your prayer closet is one thing. Living your faith in your, uh, you know, uh, uh, with, with, with your Christian friends is one thing. But when you begin to live your faith in public, there is an extra power as well as many times an extra persecution. But there is an expression, a public expression, not only of your personal faith in Christ, but of your public profession. The Bible says in Romans the 10th chapter, agreeing with this, that by, it is by faith we believe, okay? With the heart man believes into a right place with God, but with the mouth confession is made, making us completely whole, saved, sozo. And there is a wholeness that comes to a person whenever they begin to publicly identify with Christ in their world among the world it just is and that's what uh, our takeaway was from verse 16 and verse 17 as we began last week these signs shall follow those who believe we understood that signs follow believers believers don't follow signs if we follow signs the Bible says in the last days that uh, the Antichrist will, will produce more signs and wonders than anyone else has in that time, and many people will be deceived. Jesus said, please do not be deceived. Many will come, and many will do wonders and miracles in my name. He said, don't be deceived. Now, that's not to say that, that we don't believe in signs and wonders. We do, but signs follow believers. Believers don't follow signs, okay? Believers follow the Word of God. 
Okay? We follow the word and uh, we follow Jesus. But even the elder John, late in life, in writing to us, uh, said, do not believe every spirit. Jesus said, many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out devils and do many wonderful works in your name. And he'll say, I, I, I never knew you. Depart from me. I don't know. You, know, you, you knew about me and, and, and signs and wonders uh, won't get you into heaven. Okay? Uh, now we're all for them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm needing them. You're needing them and praise God. You know, I, I need healing. I need help. I need miracles. Uh, you need miracles. We all need miracles. And a miracle is anything that God gets involved in. When God gets involved in it, whether it's a yes or a no, when you pray, it's a miracle because God got involved. Okay. Anything God touches is a miracle. Any, you know, God touching anything in my life is a miracle. If God just acknowledges my prayer, that's a miracle to me. My goodness. I am, you know, I'm, 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 I was dust. I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, mortal, fragile, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, and all of a sudden, you know, God paid attention to me, to you. And, and David said, Lord, what is man that you are mindful of him? Uh, you know, or the son of man that you would visit him? I mean, who are we? Consider the stars and the handiwork and everything that God can do. And all of a sudden, God paid attention to us. That's a miracle. Anytime God interacts with me, Anytime God interacts with you in any way, if I ask him for something and he says yes, it's a miracle. If I ask him for something and he said no, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that he would answer me. It's a miracle that he would take you know, notice of me and acknowledge me and has a plan for my life and knows what's best for me. It's a miracle that he orchestrates all this. Could you imagine what would happen if you were in charge? Huh? I mean, what hard decisions, what decisions, you know, uh, has God had to make that you are incapable of making, unqualified to make, couldn't make? You know, here we are dependent upon the signs and wonders and miracles, but yet God does not want us following them. He corrected the disciples, those 70 in, in, in Luke, the 10th chapter, when they came back and said, oh, the devils are subject to us. He said, yes, 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 I know that. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Yes, I've given you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing can take you out of the game. He said, but do not rejoice in this. Don't be all just, just rejoicing in signs and wonders and miracles, but rather rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what is important, is that our names are written in the, that people are being saved. That's the greatest miracle of all. And so we're picking up uh, tonight in Mark, the 16th chapter with verse 17 again, okay? So are you ready? Here we are, starting fresh. Verse 17, and these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Now, uh, there has been a lot of um, consideration, a lot of discussion on exactly uh, where that semicolon or colon is. Uh, this one is, 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 is a colon. I think it may be, a, in some it may be a semicolon. Here it's a colon, and, and uh, sometimes I, I've seen it with a comma. Uh, but these signs shall follow those who believe. Is there a pause there? Because this was not written in verse. It was not written in chapter. 
It was not written with a lot of our English punctuation. And we can't be for certain exactly how it was written in its original form. But I would offer to you that the way it is written is very powerful. And it's also powerful that these signs should follow those who believe in my name. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name, or these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. I happen to prefer this particular reading because I like to imagine that I have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and I have stepped from this life into the name, in the name. I love the fact that I am in the name, that the righteous, they can run into the name of the Lord and there they are saved, there they are safe, there they are powerful. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall do many things. Oh, listen, if I can just get into the name, then all of a sudden I have access to a lot of things if I can live and walk and have my being in the name, if I can be in the name, in the name. It's like putting on a, you know, this superhuman suit. It's like putting on this robe of righteousness, like putting on, as Isaiah said, this garment of salvation when we step into, when we move into the name. Wow. You see, there is a power in being in the name. What does it mean to be in the name? You know, the Bible is filled with scriptures and filled with verses and, and filled with, with all kinds of benefits to being in the name to being in Christ, to being in Jesus. I mean, spiritually in. You know that what happens? How, how do we get in the name? How do we get into Christ? How do we get in Christ? How do, well, 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anybody is in, if you're in Christ, He's a new creature. Old things pass away, because, behold, all things have become new. So when I'm in Christ, when I step into Christ, I become a new creature. I become a new creation in Christ Jesus, as another uh, version says. We have become a new creature in Christ. If you can get into Christ, you will become a new creature. That... Being outside of Christ and looking in or just knowing about him is different than getting in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and, and, and uh, behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Everything in your life all of a sudden is of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ. 
You see, God was in Christ. If I can get in Christ, and all things the Bible says, every promise of God is yea and amen in Christ. And Christ is in me, and I'm in Christ. That was the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. As I am one with you, Lord, and you're one with me, make them one with us, so that I am and they are you, and we're all in one. We are in this together. We are in this safety, this place where we are in Christ when we are born again. And God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, verse 20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In him. When we are in Christ, we become the righteousness of God. That's why these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall do these things. In me they shall do these things. Jesus said, you know, the, the works that I do are not my own. It, you know, uh, the, the, the words I speak are not, I mean, it's not even my words. But it's the Father who dwells in me. He does the works. It's God in us and us in him. The New Testament is filled with the benefits of being in Christ. No less than 85 New Testament scriptures talk about the benefits of being in Christ. I mean, uh, from the book of Acts through the book of 2 Peter, scripture after 85 times we are told of benefits of being in Christ. It is a doctrine of, of what happens to us when we become born again. We are born again in Christ. We are born again in the name. Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 11 says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The life that I now live, you know, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me because we are in Christ Jesus. Alive. We are only alive in Christ. There is no eternal life outside of Christ. Romans the 8th chapter, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. How do you get free from the law of sin and death? By being in Christ. Romans 12, 5, So we being many are one body in Christ. It's not just individually are we in Christ, but collectively we are in Christ. We are one body in Christ. I know you can't see it. We all look like, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, that we're just individuals, but we're individual members of one another. We are in Christ. The body, we, the whole body of Christ is in him. It, it looks so evident to God. It does not look so evident to us. 2 Corinthians 1, 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. God is the one that has established us together in Christ. Galatians 1, 22. 
the Apostle Paul's writing, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. The churches, which were in, churches in Christ. Individuals in Christ. Members of one another in Christ. Ephesians 1.10, that, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in all, uh, in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. You see, in this dispensation of the fullness of times, God is going to gather everything together in heaven and in earth in Christ. To God, it seems so simple. To us, it seems so foreign that there would be a place where our lives could be hidden, a place where our lives could become a member of a body and of so many others who also are in this one body. It's in Christ. Philippians 3.14 I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I know I have had the benefit of studying the scriptures about being in Christ now for some near 40 years. But I know that when a person, it seems so powerful to me, when a person recognizes that they are on the outside, recognizes that they are lost, when they realize that they need a Savior, and whenever they offer their lives and receive Jesus Christ, it takes them from where they were positionally outside of eternal life. They were strangers and foreigners and aliens to God. And all of a sudden, their membership and their citizenship is transformed and transported. And they become born again as a brand new creation in Christ. It does not yet appear what we shall be, the scripture says, but we have been changed eternally. We are immortal. I do not know how God will accomplish this, but by his Holy Spirit and by his power and without exception, every person who is born again will one day step into a reality that this world cannot see and that we cannot understand that eye is not seen and ear is not heard and neither is entered the heart of any man those things which are waiting for us, those things which God has prepared for those who love him. Uh, glimpses of these things might be revealed, but there is no way to understand how you, one day you, if you are born again, you will be transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and you will become that, uh, that, 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 uh, you will see the reality of the new creation that you are as a son, as a daughter, as a child, as an heir, as a joint heir with Jesus Christ, as a king, as a priest. You will see the true ambassadorship that you always walked in once you were born again. You will see the, 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 the kingly presence and, the, and, 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 and the, 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 you will all of a sudden become, you know, you will realize that you were born again. 
and the weights of this world and the pressures of this world are not worthy. All of a sudden, the scriptures will come alive and you will, you will see that these light afflictions which we are in are but for a moment and, 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 and they work for us a far more exceeding the eternal weight of glory because we, we, we should not just be focused on the things that we can see because Corinthians says the things we see, they are only temporary, but there are things unseen which are eternal and if we can look to the unseen, the apostle Paul said that every now then we can catch a glimpse, but we must stay focused on what God has always been planning, on what God has always been doing. This earthly existence is so, so meager considering what we will one day realize when we look back and say, my goodness, I was a child of God. That may not have meant a lot at that moment but it means the world throughout eternity. And there is a power in this life that is available to those born again Christians who are living and walking in Christ and in that name. That's what Jesus is telling him. That's why these few people could change the whole world in their generation because they were born again. They were new creations. They were ambassadors for Christ. They were sons and daughters of the Most High. And when they went into a room, you know, listen, they were like, the Bible says they were like lights. The Bible says that you are like a light shining in darkness. You shine like a light in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. In this particular generation, when you walk into your workplace, when you walk into to, to, to a, a place where you're shopping or your school, when you go into a group of people, you may not recognize it, but all of creation and heaven understands that there is a child of God in this place and that's what he's trying to get across to us. You command certain authority. People will listen to you. Your encouragement, your suggestions, they hit them in a different place. Someone else can say the same thing and it sounds like 10. But the seeds that you sow are the seeds of the word of the living God, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Encouragement from you goes much, much, much farther than what you may think. It doesn't just come into the ears and, 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 and fall through and hit the ground. It goes into the heart. And any crack there is in a person's life, that seed, the Bible says when we plant a seed of God's word in someone's life then even though we wake and sleep and wake and sleep and we don't know how and we're not conscious of it yet it will spring forth it will cause life I don't know how God does it but you are born again to a place to where when you step into the reality of what it, uh, when you step into the to the moment when what is already real in your life, you're already born again, but when you step into the experience and see, the Bible says you'll be changed to be like him when we see him as he is. There'll be no more pain, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more worry, no more frustration. I don't know how. I do not know how, but I am telling you, that all of a sudden you will not ever want to sin again. All of a sudden you'll never want to 
you know, be angry again. All of a sudden, you'll never be frustrated and irritated and aggravated and opinionated to the point to where it is sin ever again. Royce, can you imagine not wanting to ever fuss again? Can you imagine that? I cannot, I can't even imagine living a life where I'm not frustrated because I am, I am, I am one of those guys that is, I'm wound tight. Could you imagine that? Can you imagine getting, you see, that's what, that, that's the seed that's in us. It's the seed of God's word. We're children of the most high God. Thessalonians 4.16, we're, we're uh, closing is, 4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Who's going to rise? Which, which dead? A lot of people dead. The ones that are in Christ. They're going to be raised first. 1 Timothy 2.7. Now, there are 85 of these. I'm, I'm, I'm not reading them all, by the way. I'm almost finished here. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Speaking the truth in Christ. Philemon 1 6, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. When we acknowledge the good things that is in Jesus, in me, and I'm in him, when we begin to acknowledge what we have in him, it, it, our faith begins to be more effective. This is the last one of the in Christ ones. First Peter 5, 14. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Wow. Well, those were just the ones in Christ. I hadn't talked about the ones in the name. I hadn't talked to ones in him or in Jesus or, or other indicators of this same position that we have when we get born again. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell them. You see, Jesus understood they were going to take the gospel to the whole world. Jesus, that was his hope. That was what he wanted. He said, you know, I am with you, but I will be in you. He said, I, I, you know, I, 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 I'd like to stay here with you, but it's more necessary that I go away. Because if I go away, then God will send you the Holy Spirit to live in you. And instead of it just being me walking around doing signs and wonders and miracles and telling other people and expressing the kingdom of God to others, instead of me just teaching everybody about God, we can multiply this and there can be millions of you going around. There can be millions carrying the Holy Spirit and the word of God around the world. And that's what Jesus saw. That's what he wanted. And that's why he told him this responsibility is coming to you. Okay, go into all the world. Now listen, I'm going away, but I want you to wait in Jerusalem to be endued with power from on high, Luke 24, 49. And he said, and then I want you to carry this gospel, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Mark 16. I want you to carry this gospel and I want you to be the expression of this good news that I will pardon, I will give eternal life, I will save, I will heal, I will encourage, I will, if people will just believe upon me and if they will identify with me, then they will will end up having a powerful life and these signs shall follow them that believe 
in my name. Because they are in my name, they're not normal. They're not regular. Uh, they, they have become new creations. They have been washed and they've become clean before God. They are forgiven. They are justified. They're sanctified. They're purified. They're made righteous. They are born again as saints and heirs and joint heirs and sons and daughters and kings and priests. And they are the children. You, because you have been born again. And every person that gets born again that you can lead to the Lord, that you can encourage to be saved, they will become a child of the Most High God, the creator of the universe. And again, just to make sure, uh, the, best, the greatest sign to follow you is that someone would be born again. And how do you tell them to get born again? Number one, all you have to help them do is recognize they need a Savior. And they do because they can't even control this life, much less what happens when they step to the next one. To recognize they need a Savior. Number two, to repent of their sins. Just to turn their life over to God. Because that's God's terms. God's terms is that we have to turn our life over to Him. Okay? You can know about God without turning your life over to Him. You can sing the songs. You can walk right beside me every step of the way. But when we get to the end of the day, if you have not given your life to Him, if you have not, number three, received Him by just... by, by acknowledging your belief to him. And then it's important when you are born again to make a public profession of your faith. We can walk all the way through life together. But when we get to that point, even though you know the songs and even though, you know, it don't work unless you're born again recognize, repent, and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's important that you know that so that you can encourage others to be born again in Christ. My word of encouragement tonight is to uh, believe and embrace the fact that you are in Christ. You are in Christ Jesus. The righteous run into the name of the Lord and that's where they're safe. Okay? It doesn't mean that you'll never have another bad day. It just means that a bad day can't take you down, can't take you out. Okay? In Christ. Please Him. Stay in Christ. You have to step away from righteousness if you choose to sin. Don't choose to sin. And if you find yourself in, tempted to be angry and to be vengeful or to be, you know, uh, do things you shouldn't do, uh, pray. Ask God for help. Tell a friend. Get some encouragement. But stay in Christ. There's power in that name. In my name. That's where devils flee when you're in the name. Amen.